You are Locked On MLB, your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the Daily Podcast. We talk about all of Major League Baseball, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. Today, we're going to be discussing the Kansas City Royals farm system and the potential to put more single-A affiliates in areas near the Pioneer League, possibly near Billings. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the World Series. We got the World Series going on, starting today, 22nd day of October. Hey, did I say that date already? I don't know. That's how excited I am about the World Series right now. Hey, you can listen to this show. And I'm going to say, hey, a few more times. You're going to have to get used to it because I'm excited about the World Series. Want to listen to the show on the Himalaya Podcasting app? Go for it. It's free and easy to use. If you want to listen to another platform, whatever it is, Apple, Google, Player FM, Podbeam, we're going to be there. If you want to listen to us on the website, LockedOnMLB.com, we're going to be there. Hey, you want to listen to us? On your smart device, well, get in your car, tell your smart device to play podcast Locked On MLB, and then both hands on the wheel, 10 o'clock, 2 o'clock. You can follow us on Twitter at Locked On MLB, same handle for Instagram. On Instagram, I personally, your pal Sully, I am at Sully Baseball Podcast. On Twitter, I'm at Sully Baseball. Well, uh, the World Series is going to start later today. What are you going to do tonight? I know. Do you want? I'm going to do tonight. I'm going to sit down and I'm going to watch the World Series. This is the event that defines years, for the most part. For the most part, when you think about baseball, if I say a year, you almost always think about the World Series, right? I mean, there, there are a few exceptions. There are there are a few exceptions. I was thinking about that, like. When it was the Red Sox-Yankees, like the Aaron Boone year or the Dave Roberts Steele year, you probably think of that before both of those World Series. Or in 1995, uh, I probably would think of either Cal Ripken breaking Lou Gehrig's record or Edgar Martinez singling or doubling home uh, Ken Griffey Jr. For the most part, you think, though, of the World Series. That tends to be what you think about. And that lasting image of either the final out or the walk-off hit or whatever. And whomever is standing at the end gets to claim the year, even if they are not the best team. Hell, in 2014, two wildcard teams played in the World Series. Neither won 90 games, Kansas City and San Francisco. Does anyone remember that the Nationals or the Dodgers or the Angels or the Orioles were so much better during the regular season than the Giants and the Royals? The Giants weren't even the home team in the wildcard game. But the Giants won the World Series. When you say 2014, I'm guessing you think Madison Bumgarner. As he became, well, he was Sports Illustrated Sportsman of the Year along with everything else. Bumgarner did not have the year that Clayton Kershaw had that year. But it doesn't matter. You win the World Series, it's yours. You know what? Like Adrian Barbeau in the Cannonball Run, it's yours. Did I just spoil the end of Cannonball Run? I may have, and I apologize for those of you out there. So we have ourselves an interesting matchup here because both teams are matched up in a, in a way that I think is kind of, kind of sort of even. It's not about who's the better team over 162 games. That's Houston. 
it's about who's the better team over this next week and a half. And sometimes we've seen teams get hot. The 06 Cardinals comes to mind. That team also found a team that was flat in the Tigers who swept the Oakland A's. And I had uh, Andy Van Slyke as a guest on my old podcast. He was a, a all-star player for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he was a coach on the 2006 Tiger team. And he said, yeah, the team, he was convinced the team was flat after the long layoff, after sweeping the Oakland A's, and the Cardinals wound up taking you know seven games to, to upset the Mets. And the Tigers looked really sloppy. But they made sure in 2012 that wasn't going to happen again when they swept the Yankees and it took seven games for the Giants to beat the Cardinals. And what happened? They got swept in the World Series. You see that a lot, that the team that sweeps is at a disadvantage. That's happened a few times. And two times with the Tigers. Certainly happened with the um, Colorado Rockies when they swept through the Arizona Diamondbacks in 07. We've seen this happen before. But uh, again, we've seen a lot of things that happened before. Like for years and years, whoever had Game 7 of the World Series, the the home team won every time between 1979 and the aforementioned 2014 World Series. But since then, we've had 2014, 2016, 2017 all be the road teams winning Game 7 of the World Series. So sometimes you can throw stuff out the window. Some things are just tendencies. And not every probability is a ironclad prediction of what will happen. It means a probability, not a definitive event. So the Nationals are going to have arrested and ready Scherzer and Strasburg and Sanchez and Corbin to line up any way that Dave Martinez feels like. The Astros have Garrett Cole lined up exactly the way they want, and whether or not they're going to go Verlander in Game 2 or Game 3 is up to A.J. Hinch. A lot of this series is going to be resting on whether or not Zach Krinke had a fluke two bad games or he's having a bad October. If he's having a bad October, things swing big time to the Nationals. And the point I'm making is both teams have aces at the one and two hole. So the idea of no one's going to beat Verlander and Cole, what about Scherzer and Strasburg? doesn't mean one is going to be better than the other. It means that they'll be neutralized. And the much vilified bullpen of the Washington Nationals, yes, it's been a bad bullpen, historically bad, over 162 games. But over the last few weeks, it's been pretty good. It was very good the last game against Los Angeles. It was very good against St. Louis. And they may have found a new weapon in Rainey, Tanner Rainey, who... Again, you're not asking him to be great over 70 games. You're just asking him to have like two or three decent games against a team that doesn't know him that well in Houston. If Rainey becomes a reliable weapon out of the bullpen, along with Doolittle, along with Hudson, suddenly you have a four-man rotation and three decent arms. You have a, a pitching staff that's seven pitchers deep. And in terms of the lineup, both teams have some bats that are that are red hot. Obviously, you have Rendon, and obviously you have Howie Kendrick, who had the wonderful series against St. Louis, and Soto is obviously a tremendous player. You have Altuve, who wants to own this October, and you have people like Gurriel and Correa did not have good series against the New York Yankees, but they made sure the hits they did get counted. 
I saw someone say, oh, Correa had a scuffling bad series. I'm like, really? I remember hitting a walk-off home run and then a back-breaking three-run home run at Yankee Stadium. He didn't do much other than that. But sometimes it's not how many hits you get, but when you get the hits. So I think that this is, for a team that won 100-some-odd games like the Astros and a team that was a wild-card team like the Nationals, this is a surprisingly even World Series. There's no one team that I look at and say, wow, this team is way ahead of the other, or this team's out of its depth. I think this is going to be a six or seven game World Series. Do I have to make a prediction? I'll make a prediction because that's how this works. I do lean a little towards the Astros. I do. I think that those players that I mentioned, like a Correa and a Gurriel, could get hot. And I I don't think Grinke is going to be bad. I think he had two lousy starts, and I think that he will brush it off and pitch well. And I think that, you know, it's they, the Nationals are playing with so much house money that even if they get swept in the World Series, they've gotten further than anyone thought they were going to get. I don't think they will. I think it's going to go seven games. But in the end, I think right now the Astros are the best team. But it, I think it's going to be a coin toss. I think it's going to be super close. So if you're in Houston or if you're in Washington, go get tickets to these games. This is going to be fun. And do you know what? If you're going to get tickets, I recommend you use Vivid Seats. What's Vivid Seats? It's an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing fans of live entertainment with experiences that last a lifetime. The World Series lasts a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, listeners can watch their favorite teams and artists perform in person, giving credit back on all purchases made through the Vivid Seats apps via the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program. Vivid Seats helps fans find their seats to any of their favorite live events, not just sports, but also concerts, theater, more, all through the Vivid Seats app. Vivid Seats offers great prices and an easy purchasing experience, as well as the in-app loyalty program, Vivid Seats Rewards. Rewards status is ranging from MVP to Hall of Famer. Customers can earn from 10% all the way up to 16% credit on all their purchases made through the app this month. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. You'll be automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program and enjoy credits on all purchases as part of the Vivid Seats Rewards. And all Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee. Enter promo code POSTSEASON at checkout and receive a discount up to $100. And do you know what? If there's something people of this podcast enjoy as much as baseball, it would be sex. How about that? You weren't expecting me to go there, do you? Well, I'm not going to go totally there. I'm going to try to mask some of this in code because it's a baseball podcast. Guys, were you a pitcher who used to go deep in the games, didn't need any relief? No pitch counts. You went nine. Do you find yourself tiring out? Do you feel like a one-out situational reliever? Do you need something to increase your stamina and get a few complete games and have confidence that your partner won't be looking to the bullpen to bring in someone else? Then try Blue Chew. Blue is in the color blue. It's the first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredient as Viagra or Cialis. So you know it's legit. Take them anytime, day or night, on a full stomach, on your way to Nationals Park. I don't judge 
They work twice as fast as the pill, so you won't need to warm up in the bullpen as long to get into the game. We baseball fans love performance-enhancing drugs, and this one works. You can even use it in Cooperstown. They won't test you. It's prescribed online and ships straight to your door in a discreet package. No person, in-person doctor visits. No awkwardness. They're made in the USA, and since they, they prepare and ship direct, they're cheaper than a pharmacy. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment free. When you use the promo code MLB, just pay $5 shipping. That's B-L-U-E-Chew.com, promo code MLB. Try it for free. Blue Chew is the better, faster, and cheaper choice. Thanks for sponsoring the Locked On MLB podcast. Hey, I want to just bring up a couple other things. Uh, I praised Joe Garagiola in an earlier podcast where I talked about how when he uh, announced the ending of the 1980 World Series between Philadelphia and Kansas City, he did so letting the event speak for itself. He didn't try to talk over everything. Well, I got to give credit where credit's due. Joe Buck did that the other night, and he has a tendency to do that. I don't mind Joe Buck. It cracks me up that he's the same name as John Voight's character in Midnight Cowboy, but I don't mind him. I think he's a good announcer. I think he's a talented announcer. My lone problem is that he does every single game, World Series game this century, and we're now into the 20th World Series in a row that he has been the announcer of. I just wouldn't mind mixing it up a little bit, having a different voice, having a different narrator, having someone else put their stamp on it. But that being said, when Altuve hit the home run, he said, Jose Altuve sends the Astros to the World Series, and then he kept his trap shut. He allowed the moment to unfold. He allowed the drama of, of uh, what's his name, Springer, and then Altuve running around. You see Altuve, who is the Radar O'Reilly of baseball, kind of shyly making sure no one tore his shirt off, and the celebration, and everyone hugging each other. I'll get to that in a second. And he just let it unfold. He just let it happen. The, the, the drama was enough on the field, and he had enough confidence in that. And so I, I really thought that was good. I thought that was a good quality piece of announcing. And I went back and I watched at some of his previous huge home runs that he called. And the two very similarly, two other times he called a league championship series clinching home run was the Aaron Boone home run in 2003, which I'm totally over, and Travis Ishikawa doing it for the San Francisco Giants in 2014 against St. Louis. And both times he called the home run and then let the drama unfold. The Aaron Boone game, that's one of the classic games in baseball history. It is. For all the drama building up to the moment and how the game itself unfolded, that's one of the most dramatic games in baseball history, especially in terms of the narrative of Red Sox fandom, Yankee fandom. Is this the end of the curse? Is the curse going to continue? And who they cut to, that they cut to Pedro, they cut to Nomar in the... Uh, dugout that they cut to Jeter, they cut to Mario Rivera celebrating, they cut to the booth where Brett Boone was the guest announcer, and he is the brother of Aaron Boone, so they let the camera linger on him a little bit to see how proud he is of his brother at that time. So uh, Joe Buck has done that, and I give him credit. I give him credit that he is a skilled enough announcer to know when to let the game unfold. He did a similar thing when the Giants were celebrating against St. Louis 
in the NLCS. Uh, but that being said, I just wanted to say that, that you got to give credit where credit's due. I also want to give credit where credit's due to uh, another group of people. You. Me. Humanity. We're better fans. The experience of going to a ballpark is better. Oh, we heard some nasty stories about people yelling stuff, trying to trigger uh, Zach Grinke's social anxiety and yelling F this and F that. And we hear, oh, fans are terrible. They boo this. They scream that. They're so awful. No, we're not. Fans are better now. The experience of being at a baseball park is better now. And I'll prove it to you. Let's take another example. I mentioned the Boone home run. I mentioned the Travis Ishikawa home run. And there's something about those home runs that I bet you're not even thinking about that used to be a given. So let's go to the first time, the very first time a league championship series ended with a home run. 1976, Yankee Stadium, in another do-or-die game, truly dramatic game, unbelievably dramatic game. The Yankees had not been in the World Series since 1964. The Kansas City Royals were an upstart expansion franchise looking to put their stamp on the game. And it was as evenly a match series as you will ever see. The surprising KC Royals, the resurgent New York Yankees, something had to give. And Chris Chambliss, who for some reason never managed a major league team, no one will ever be able to explain that to me. Chris Chambliss hit a deep drive to right field, clearing the wall. Chris Chambliss jumped up and down. There was the shot of Thurman Munson celebrating. And after that, it was absolute anarchy. It was an absolute mob scene. It was a riot. Chris Chambliss never made it around the bases. He had to run for his life. People were ripping his clothes off. Who knows what anyone had? It was New York in 1976. And all the images of the championship was him running for his life. Scared. And he has mentioned that. That that was, and when you see the clips of it, it's a riot on the field. It's an absolute riot that's going on. And a similar scene happened the next year when the Yankees won the World Series, which was the first Yankee World Championship since 1962. There was a drought they had then. And Reggie Jackson having the the absolute coronation of his career was that that three-home run game. When the final out was made, Torres, uh, Mike Torres of the Yankees caught a pop-up, ended the World Series. There was a quick hug with Munson, and everyone ran off the field. And Reggie ran off the field like he was Herschel Walker and knocking down people to get into the dugout for his safety. A moment, those two moments of complete adulation. And it wasn't just in New York. It was all over the place. It was a given that a dramatic championship was won. Part of the contract of what was going to happen is the players had to run for their life as a riot took place on the field. Now what happened? Was there any threat of a riot? Did anyone run on the field? If maybe one or two people ran on the field, okay, they were probably arrested before George Springer hit the home plate. Instead, what happened? 
It was a celebration. It was a celebration of happiness, of a championship, of the players on the field celebrating and celebrating with the fans instead of running for their lives. There was no fear. There was no chaos. And don't be so romantic about, well, back then we used to run on the field. It was great. No, it wasn't. It was anarchy. It was dangerous. And we see what happens in this world. We don't know if you have a weapon. What are you going to do if you reach them? There's a famous shot of uh, Bill Mazeroski hitting the home run to beat the Yankees in the 1960 World Series. And running next to him was a kid. All right, that's kind of cute in Americana. On the other side of him, there was a grown-ass man in a suit. He looked like he had a law firm. What was his plan? Are you going to hug Don Hoke? Are you going to give Roberto Clemente a high five? What was your plan? Or you see those people running on the field, jumping on the Yankees, ripping the clothes off of Chris Chambliss. That's not better. Do you know what is better? Altuve being hugged by his teammates, pumping his fists, waving to the fans, the fans in the stands celebrating. We're better. Fans are better. The behavior is better. The experience of being in a ballpark is better. We're kicking out more drunks. We're kicking out more jerks. People yelling, F you, F you, are kicked out of the ballpark. I hear some people, oh, what happened just yelling at the end? You know what? No, that shouldn't be part of the game. Some people, you have families there. Some people have kids. Some people don't want to have a drunken idiot, I know that's redundant, screaming F-bombs. I paid this money. I did too, jerk. And just because your team won doesn't mean you have the right to run on the field. And threaten the very players who you cheer. We don't do that anymore. Kick out the people yelling F-bombs. Kick out the people uh, picking fights. And guess what? Kick them out for good. Put their name at the, the, uh, at the ticket window. Say, nope, you're not allowed in. We don't want you here. One of the most dramatic home runs in League Championship Series history was hit. And the threat of a riot probably didn't even occur to you. That means we're better. And Yankee fans, you're better too. Do you want proof? Watch the clips of the Aaron Boone game. That game was as dramatic, if not more dramatic, than the one in 1976. For one more year, you extended the curse. For one more year, Yankees pushed dominance on the Red Sox in a game where every Yankee fan in the world thought it was all over. And Boone hit that home run. And the fans stayed in their seats. They didn't run on the field. Boone was able to touch all the bases. And you even had that, well, for Yankee fans, wonderful shot of Rivera basically collapsing on the mound in absolute happiness. That wouldn't happen in 1976. That's a good thing. You're better, Yankee fans. We're all better. Now, Yankee fans, you'll excuse us. We're going to talk about the World Series. So, follow us on the free and easy-to-use Himalaya podcasting app. We're also on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Player FM, Podbeam, all the places where you get your podcasts. 
follow us on Twitter at LockdownMLB. Same handle for Instagram. I'm at Sully Baseball. Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. This is the Locked On MLB Podcast for the 22nd day of October. The World Series is starting! And you can call me Sully. Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done.